Uh, so the trip we took in uh, in October, there was uh, 16 of us that uh, uh, booked a trip with Captain Peacock in Brazil, and so he, he kind of has a unique setup because he's he's got a a uh, what he calls a floating hotel. But I'm I'm here to tell you that. That piranha is the best fish to eat. I mean, it is incredible. It's too much. Tejas. Still too. <laughs> Tejas Hunk Podcast is the podcast for you and you and you and you. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 32 of the Tejas Hunk Club Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon McDowell. And this week, we're going to be talking to our good buddy, Brandon Bredemeyer, uh, the former, now former president of the SCI West Texas chapter out in Midland. Um, we've highlighted uh, their event before, and we're coming back around for it this year. So we got on to talk to him about uh, his two trips that he's been on in the past couple months, um, one down to Brazil to chase peacock bass on a tributary of the Amazon River, and the other, the trip to Spain to chase ibex in the mountains. So we're going to sit down and talk to him about that, and then we're going to get into the event uh, for 2024 that's coming up. Um, so get that on your calendar. I'll have the dates here in a second. Um, but before we get into that podcast, we're going to cover a couple things. First off, this podcast is dropping the week of Christmas. I know. I hope everybody has had a great holidays. I know we've had chapter Christmas parties and business Christmas parties. So I hope everybody's enjoyed their time celebrating and hopefully going to be around your family coming up this week. But if you have to pick up any last minute gifts, if you forgot somebody, we do have a great Christmas gift guide that we posted on our YouTube channel and we did an episode on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, go check that out. We got a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, a couple things that we talked about in, the, in that podcast, we've actually picked up and plan on doing some videos here coming up. I'm not going to tell you which ones they are, but if you listen to the podcast, you'll kind of figure out with some hints, you know, of the things that I'm talking about, hopefully getting soon. Uh, well, they're here. Some of them, at least. If you haven't already checked out the podcast we did with Blake Moulton, you should definitely go give that one a listen. Um, he's been posting a lot of content lately. He's been up north and down here in Texas hunting ducks. So if you're not following him, first go listen to the podcast, then go check out his page, Blake Moulton, and then also Waterfowl Assault Co. Um, like I said, he's got some great content. If you're into duck hunting, which apparently a lot of our listeners are, um, going back to Farming with Ducks with Lone Star Wetlands, still the top podcast going right now. Didn't know y'all like duck hunting so much, but we're going to have to get those guys back on uh do another one. So both Megan and I have been pretty busy lately just from our day jobs and then also filming. Um, we went down to South Texas to DA Ranch and filmed some whitetails, which um, we have a little surprise uh, video, real cool video that we're going to be dropping here pretty soon from that trip. And let me tell you, you you're going to want to see it and you're not going to want to miss it. Um, it's pretty cool. I'm just going to say it involves two deer, two big deer. And we're going to just leave it at that for right now. So be sure you're subscribed. Make sure you follow along because you're not going to want to miss this video. But anyway, we were doing some work for them down there, um, creating some content for them, filming whitetails, some exotics and stuff. So we have a video coming out with that. Um, we're going to produce a video for their booth um, for when they go to uh, – 
trade shows and stuff. So um, big shout out to Leo and Madison down there. They they treat us like family every time we go down, and it's top notch place. So <clears throat> if uh, you're looking to get a hunt, they have a wedding venue also. So if you're looking to get married or know somebody that is, check out DEA Ranch in uh, Mathis, Texas. Also, they have their own beef too. So if you're looking to get some beef from a ranch that's local, you know, you don't have to go to HEB or any other grocery store, hit them up, DEA Ranch. And then coming off that trip, following that, I went down to Wimberley, Texas at Inspiring Oaks Ranch and did a mentored hunt with Stewards of the Wild. Um, Matt Hughes, who we've also had on the podcast, uh, ran this hunt and then invited me down to help guide. I got to spend some time with some pretty cool people down there and got to help some people uh, get their first doe and get their first hog. So it was a, uh, a great trip. I'll have a video coming out on YouTube, uh, with that, but I want to give a big shout out to my hunter, my new buddy, Josiah got his first pig. I don't know if you saw, if you check out my Instagram, I got a couple pictures from that, that weekend. And then also a little reel I put together from, uh, going on that hunt with him. So congratulations to him once again. Um, it was uh, pretty cool. We got to, <laughs> well, you'll see it in the video, but after he shot the pig, we had to do a little track job and, uh, we had to go in the bush with it and she was shot a sow with a bunch of little piglets around her. And, uh, those little, those piglets were still kind of hanging around her while she went off and we were blood trailing. When we walked up on her, she was still, still alive and kicking for a little bit. So we kind of had to back out there and, you know, for a little bit and just let her, uh, pass on. And then her, her piglets and stuff ran off, but they, they were pretty big. They're around like 20 to 30 pounds. So they're about time to be be off the off mom's tit anyway so uh <laughs> great big sal we took her back cleaned her josiah's taking her home taking it home he's gonna get it processed but that was one of the fattest sows I, i've seen in a long time and i mean like good good fat that you want like sure i'm sure that's gonna make uh some great pork chops for josiah and his family so congratulations to him again I said big shout out to Matt Hughes for uh, putting that hunt on. Um, he did a great job at, at running it. It was we were on time for everything. The food was phenomenal. Um, we got to eat wild game the whole weekend. Just getting to spend time outdoors like that and getting to hunt. And just look at uh, we got to see some cool whitetails too. A couple good sized bucks were uh, running around, but we were just doing management on does and hogs. So um, that's what the hunters were going after. All in all, great weekend. I'll have a video coming out on the YouTube channel, so stay tuned for that. And then we'll also be posting stuff on my Instagram and on Teos on Club Instagram. Also, in the Facebook group, if you're listening to the podcast and on Facebook, shoot us a, a message, and then we'll get you approved into the Facebook group. So I recently got uh, started a partnership with Real Avid. Uh, they make gun cleaning kits, uh, gun parts tools, Anything that you would need to work on firearms from pistols to ARs to bolt guns. Um, they have this awesome master gun vice that you can use to mount your guns, to work on them, to clean them, to do a lot of different stuff. So coming up this next year, I'm going to be putting together a couple ARs just for fun. Um, 
I've recently gotten some opportunity to buy some parts and wanted to build, um, build some ARs, uh, just to have some different guns. Cause I like shooting guns. And plus the guys at work, uh, kind of give me a hard time since I don't have an AR to bring when we go to range days. So, um, I'm going to have to put some together so I can have something to take instead of just using what we have at work. So I started, uh, like I said, got a partnership real avid cause I was looking at building out these ARs and I didn't have the knowledge and how to do it. Um, I met Dustin a couple years ago at POMA, which is Professional Outdoor Media Association, and he was there demonstrating uh, their tools and the vice and thing at, at the conference. And I was like, hey, man, and back then I knew I wanted to start building some ARs or at least work on my guns and stuff. And I was like, hey, man, when I when I get to a spot, I want to do this. I'm going to hit you up because I'm going to need your help and your guidance in uh, how to do all this stuff because it's new to me. So uh like I said, I got to the point now where I was buying some parts and I hit him up and he was like, hey, man, this is what we're going to do. If you want to help us create some content, I can, you know, teach you some things, send you some uh, guides and stuff to help you get started and um, uh, get you going, building ARs and stuff. So that's what we did. Um, I'll be creating some content. So it'll be it'll live on our YouTube channel. I'll do podcast about it. Um, and then also it'll be on their channel as all, as well. So if you're on Instagram, check out Real Avid. I'll have it linked down here in the description. And also, if you're looking for some tools and stuff to work on your guns, I do have a discount code. So I'll put that in the link below and then to their website and everything. So you can check out what they have. Like I said, they have gun vices, they have punches, they have wrenches, they have AR multi-tools, like pretty much um, anything that you need in working on any firearm. Um, and you, like you said, even in these mounting systems, you can mount your bows in it as well. So when he told me that, that I could work on my guns and my bows, he sold me. So, um, like I said, check them out. I have them linked in the description and have the website pop up here, but I'll be posting a lot of content, uh, with their stuff coming up. So stay tuned for that. With talking about content for 2024, which is hard to believe this 2023 went, went by pretty fast. This is like I said, was when we started the podcast. So we're already coming up on a whole year. So um, it, it's been a lot of fun doing this and uh, we're going to keep, keep it going for 2024 in that aspect. Um, we're open to hearing about what y'all want to hear about in 2024. So if y'all have people that want to come on the podcast or people you think should be on the podcast stories, you want to tell yourself, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on mine, Teos Hunt Club, shoot us a DM. We'd love to hear what y'all want to hear from content wise for 2024. With January starting off and hunting season kind of slowing down, what we have next is trade show season. So like I spoke earlier, um, SCI West Texas chapters, uh, events coming up there, West Texas, uh, hunters extravaganza. Um, that one's going to be January 27th in Midland. So if you're in the area, if you're not in the area, plan a trip, just to be the first trip for the new year, head out to Midland, come to the event. It's going to be a great time. You can walk around, see the booths, see the vendors. There's going to be a lot of outfitters there. A lot of uh, gear. QU is probably going to be there. Just picked up their new guide jacket. Best, best hunting jacket that I've purchased so far. Not even going to lie. It's it's hard to say because, I mean, it's QU and you're like, it's an expensive jacket. Um, if you hunt a lot and you don't want to be cold, buy it. it it's the truth. <laughs> but anyway, if you're not, 
doing anything that weekend, January 27th. Come hang out with us in Midland. We'll be there covering the event and uh, come support West Texas SCI chapter. But before that, we're going to be going up to DSC, uh, Dallas Safari Club Convention. That's going to be January the 11th through the 14th. We're probably going to be there Saturday, maybe Friday and Sunday that weekend. But Fort Worth's going to be going on too. So we're going to go hit up the rodeo, the ranch rodeo, and watch that, and then probably go to DSC during the day. So if you're going to DSC, come by, say hi. We'll be there. Send us a DM. We'll meet up, have lunch or something. Now, planning way, way, way ahead. Not really, but April 26th through 28th, Total Archer Challenge, San Antonio, Texas. Put it on your calendar. Hit us up. We're going. Um, if we want to, we can put something together for people that never been attacked. We can all shoot together, shoot courses, hang out, do that kind of stuff. So if that's something that interests any of you, shoot us a DM, send us a message, and uh, we'll get it coordinated. But April 26th through the 28th, TAC, San Antonio. Come shoot with us. That's been a whole lot of talking before we even get into the podcast. I know that was kind of long, but this is probably going to be the last podcast for 2023. So we had to put some stuff out there. Uh, I appreciate y'all listening for this long. I appreciate y'all listening for all of 2023, and I hope you stick around for 2024. But right now, we're going to get in the podcast with Brandon Bredermeyer and uh, see what about fishing in Brazil, hunting Ibex in Spain, and then, of course, the West Texas Hunters Extravaganza. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll see you in 2024. But yeah, man. So uh just wanted to like I said, just tell me about this this these two trips you've been on and then uh of course you know talk about SEI and the event and everything. So just give a little shout out, let our listeners know if they're out in Midland, you know, what come out to about. the event. Yeah. Yep, that sounds good. Cool, man. Well, uh I'll do like a little intro and then we'll we'll get going. All right. Sounds like a plan. What what had it what, what had is that? that? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That's pretty Brosic. cool. It's a Dude, local taxidermy here. Yeah. They were the guys that had had the uh, coyotes that had the bobcat in the tree. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember Ooh, that one over yeah. there. And yeah, then they had, logo's pretty cool. Yeah, they had the desert bighorn there, too. So that was pretty nice. cool. Nice. Hmm. All right, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of the Tales Hunt Club podcast. I'm your host, Brandon McDowell, also along with Megan McElyea. And we're sitting down with our buddy from West Texas, Brandon Bredemeyer from the SEI West Texas chapter, the president of the SEI West Former Texas president. Oh. oh. Yeah, I had rolled leadership. off, huh? Yep. Yeah. yeah I, I, oh. We found another sucker that was willing to do it, so we turned it on over. <laughs> oh, yeah. they You know, just like they did with me, you know, they kind of bait you in and everything. They're like, oh, it's your turn. You're, like, you're ready to do this and then turn you loose and – uh so, uh, Lenny Wood is actually our, our, our new president this year as of April. So okay, we're cool. excited to have cool. him. He's a good leader. So nice. Well, congratulations, congratulations, Lenny Wood. I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but congratulations. Yeah, to excited him. to meet him. Yeah. That'd be cool. So what's your, what's your role now? So right now I'm doing auction and exhibitor stuff. So that's, that's our, our big push right now. We're trying to wrap all that stuff up and, and try to get our, uh, 
our program put together and, and our auction lineup put in place. And that way we can start getting everything put online so everybody can take a look at it. Cool. That's sounds so good. so much work. Sounds good. Yeah. I just, so much work. Just from the stuff we've dealt with at mm-hmm. Ranch and Wildlife Committee for Houston and getting all that auction put together. It's like people show up and it's a, it's, they just show up and have a good time, but they just don't understand the work and stuff that goes on and the coordination and like mm-hmm. getting people in the right places and stuff to, to get that event going. Yeah. It's no joke. I mean, we, we truly start planning the day after the event. So yep. yeah, it, uh, yeah. it's a never ending process. <laughs> For sure. Well, before we get into the event again, we're going to start off because, you know, if you haven't been following along on our Instagram page, we've been sharing Brandon's photos because he's been on two pretty awesome trips and two of them I, that I really didn't even have on my radar. But of course, you know, he he goats me into, you know, shows me all these cool things that I can go do and just adds to the list. But uh, Brandon, tell us uh, tell us a little about the two trips you just got back from. Uh, so the trip we took in, uh, in October, there was, uh, 16 of us that, uh, uh, booked a trip with Captain Peacock in Brazil. And so he, he kind of has a unique setup because he's, he's got a, a, uh, what he calls a floating hotel. So he, he, he truly <laughs> built a, Literally. yeah, he truly built a hotel on top of a barge. And I mean, it, it's an unbelievable setup. And, uh, anyway, the, the, the reason I guess that that is unique to, to fishing the Amazon is because that gives you a lot of flexibility, uh, with your logistics. So if the fish aren't in one area, if you have a set camp, you have to drive a long ways to get to it. Well, this gives him the flexibility to take the fishermen to that area on the boat. Uh, so anyway, incredible trip, uh, five-star, uh, service and, uh, food and, uh, the fishing was just unbelievable. Yeah. Like some of the videos, you know, after you posted on your story and stuff, and then <clears throat> I started following their page and I was seeing like trips where they're, you know, you, you stop off, say on the, on this beach along the, the river, and then they have this huge spread for dinner laid out with like candles and tables. And it, it looked like a, like something off a, a resort and you, you're in the, in the middle of a jungle. Yeah, something, you know, that's unique to and hard for us to comprehend, you know, living out here in Texas in the desert, but there is that river is so big. And so we're we're actually fishing a tributary to the Amazon, which is uh the Rio Negro. I mean, there was water as far as you could see, and a lot of times when you're in the river, you couldn't even see the opposite side of the bank. It was so it was so wide. Uh, oh just the, the amount of of water there is just mind-blowing. Yeah, it's like you're looking across a lake, but you're on a flowing river. Exactly. Yeah, and and, and the and the current's pretty stout too. I mean, it, even you know we were there, and it was, uh, uh, I think it was a hundred year low is what they were seeing with the river levels. So, the the thing that was cool about that was, you know, it, it made the fishing a little bit tougher, but it exposed a lot of the rocks that had a lot of uh, uh, pictographs and things carved into them. <gasps> So we yeah. got to see a lot of things like that. It was really, really neat. Dude, that that's so cool. Even like to, to see stuff from, from down there, like carved in the walls that you, like you said, you would never see because the water's so low. Yeah. Like, golly. And, 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 and for those that, you know, follow a lot of the history stuff and, and things like that, I mean, that's some of the oldest civilizations in the Americas were, were in that Brazil, Peru area. So 
it's it's really neat and that's 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 really what you know the the way that they would describe it for like the uh the incas is that's that's pre-inca uh civilizations oh, wow. yeah holy cow so that's that's way way back there <laughs> but anyway yeah the 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 trip is, is is super super awesome they uh you saw some of the pictures where they're towing the uh the uh the bass trackers behind the uh behind the house barge you know and, yeah, yeah uh so every night we'd we'd uh tie the boats back up and we'd have uh have dinner and drinks and then go to bed and get started the next morning early and we'd launch out from the boat and we never really traveled more than about an hour to wherever we were going to fish. Uh, uh-huh. and then the boat, the boat itself traveled, uh, like 300 miles up the river and then back. So it was, a it was a, a really, really cool trip. Uh, oh yeah. Y'all covered some ground for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we had, well, so like, uh, like on that, you said you're fishing like a tributary of it. Did, was there like a part where y'all went down like the main river and then kind of like turned off or like how, I guess, how did they come up with that, with that track, I guess, you know? Um, I'm, I'm not for certain, but I, but I know that, uh, that the Rio Negro is, is, is where, um, I know that the world record peacock bass was caught in that river but one mm-hmm. thing that's unique about that river is that the um uh, uh, i guess the ph levels are so high or the water's so acidic that uh that the uh the insects can't grow in it so there's no mosquitoes there's very few oh, bugs whatsoever oh yeah and, and and this is not you know anything that i expected going to the to the rainforest that uh that i wouldn't have to worry about bugs but i mean it was it was so pleasant that's wild okay well that yeah that is like that's pretty cool to like they think of it that way and find that that special like place where of course you got fish but then you're not being covered by insects because that was going to be one of my questions that i had for you like how is the bugs because you can i mean even here like on the coast in texas like south oh, texas boy. like the bugs can be real bad i can only imagine what they'd be like in the jungle yeah but we we, we swam in the water and jet skied and it was just a just a lot of fun that's pretty awesome. So how many days was it? Uh, we fished for seven days. So, okay, yeah. so all in all, I think the trip was like eight days or nine days with travel. So it, uh, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't bad at all. A little, okay. little bit of a hassle getting there, but, uh, that's just cause of really? the way the, just kind of how, how the, the flights kind of stack up. There's, there's nothing direct from the U S uh, to Manau. So you have to go to, uh, either, uh, Miami to Panama in Panama to Manau, or you have to go from Houston to Panama and Panama to Manau. So it just kind of, okay. just logistically, it, the flights just aren't, aren't scheduled. Yeah. And then you have to worry about all your stuff getting there and yeah. all that. Like the, the more flights you change, the, the more likelihood of your bags not making it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I carry on every chance I get. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, so for sure. did you take any of your fishing rods or anything with you or did they like have all that stuff for you down there? So funny, funny story is, uh, I had, uh, I had one of my fly rods sitting out and, uh, uh, I noticed one day that, uh, I, I walked in, I was going to grab it and step outside and do a little casting and everything. And, and my fly rod was broken and I was like, Oh my gosh, what <gasps> happened? And this is, this is, you know, weeks before I'm, I'm leaving. And, uh, and so come to find out that, uh, that the maid had actually accidentally broken it, uh, uh, when it was leaned up behind the door 
And so, uh, yeah. anyway, I, I had, uh, I had one eight weight that, uh, that didn't have any issues. And our good buddy, Sean Polk, let me borrow two other eight weights and, and rigged me out to, to be able to take those down there. So, uh, shout out to Polk because he, he, he sent me with some awesome flies and some good gear. Yeah. He, he's definitely the guy to, to reach out to when you're in that pinch for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it uh, ended up, uh, landing a, uh, a 15 pounder on a fly rod. So that was, uh, my biggest fish of the week and, uh, did it all on a fly rod. That's awesome, man. And you said, you said peacock bass and that's what the 15 pounder was that y'all were targeting and stuff. But, uh, what other fish, um, were y'all going after down there? So they, they, they also had arapaya, I, I think is, is, is what we call them, but, uh, they, they have a different name for them, but it's, it's, it's essentially what they make the uh, fish boots out of. So you oh, see yeah, the, yeah. The, the the scale yep. boots or whatever, and that's yeah, that's what they're making about them. Big bass or something. I think Anderson big B bass. calls them a big bass, mm-hmm. but you know each brand has their own little name for it. But uh, but it looks more like an eel than a fish. I mean, it's got a tail like an eel, and oh. the ones we were catching were probably I don't know five pounders and stuff like that. But but those get enormous. I mean, oh up, yeah, you know six feet long and stuff like that. But we didn't we didn't see any like that or really target any. Uh, those were kind of more catches of opportunity. You know, we'd, we'd see one and, uh, and cast to it and catch him, you know, cause they were kind of yeah. skirting the surface and stuff. So I remember seeing, um, that show river monsters. Yeah. Did you ever watch that show? Yeah. I remember hit that, those fish being on that show and like one of them jumped, they were like trying to net him or something. And one of them like jumped out of the water and hit the dude like square in the chest and like kind of like knocked him out like they're big fish for sure yeah yeah the what's 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 cool about them is 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 that's one of their favorite things to eat and so they were they were actually taking them like a uh and cutting them almost like a lamb chop because they have a large rib in them and they would cook them like little little chops and it was it was really really good Uh, Hmm. Hmm. and then of course we, we we did catch a lot of piranha we got into like one little uh uh, back tributary that didn't have a lot of current in it and uh every cast were catching piranha on on uh uh rapalas and uh and they were huge i mean you couldn't have put them in a in a 12 inch frying pan i mean they were so big uh, but but hands I'm down out. i am out <laughs> i'm not gonna mess with the piranha how do you handle those on the boat i mean they just is it like well it's not I mean, not any different wild. than like you would you would do for a for a, catching a speck or something you know you grab them with the with yeah. the pliers and then and then pull yeah. it out but uh, oh my god but i'm i'm here to tell you that that piranha is the best fish to eat i mean it is incredible that doesn't surprise me one bit huh. that sounds really it, that's pretty cool, cool. It, it's literally like eating perch or crappie i mean it, it's it's awesome yeah i mean that's i mean to me that's kind of what they look like except they got mm-hmm. bigger teeth and you know nastier attitude from, <laughs> you know in the movies and stuff they make oh, them all look all ferocious look but I, I mean they're pretty cool fish though yeah when I, you put I, them in the in the in the live well or on the ice you can hear them chomping in there you know and they're just popping their jaws and stuff <laughs> i mean they're they're the real deal wild hog in your ice chest yeah like, uh, yeah it. that'd be pretty cool to see man i'd be i'd 
I'd want to catch one and like put it in a live oh, well and watch man. it. I wonder, well, probably, it's probably not a good idea. I'm sure you can't like get them and like have them in a fish tank or anything like that. That'd be a little, I don't know. You can probably catch them in Florida nowadays. <laughs> yeah, probably. They probably are in Florida somewhere. I mean, they have everything Everything's else. in Florida. Yeah. That, well, yeah. I'll be going, <laughs> I'm going actually next month for my bachelor party to Florida. We're going to go shoot uh, iguanas and then we're going to go offshore fishing one day too, I think. Oh man, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, so we'll get to go see that and uh, do that. We're going with a Python Cowboy. Yeah. So not not him specifically. He was already booked that day, but we're going to go with, like, his crew and stuff. So that'll be fun. You might see some. You catch some snakes too, huh? Ooh, maybe. I might get talked into crazy. it. Crazy. <laughs> so crazy i thought they were kidding when they first said this idea and nope. it, it's come to fruition yeah <laughs> ever so nicely you're gonna come back with a nice pair of snake boots and everything else it'd yeah. be awesome hey i want something too if you yeah yeah mm-hmm. if i catch one big enough we can make a lot of stuff for sure <laughs> but yeah so uh like you said y'all you caught a, a 15 pound peacock bass arapaima some uh piranha piranha what is there anything else or like did y'all see any other animals or anything that was pretty cool you know they it, it's 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 kind of weird up there that, you know i expected you know to be jaguars and things and monkeys and everything <laughs> in, in the trees but but in, in that specific area it's more of what they would call more deserty than the rainforest i guess a lot of that water actually runs off into the river from the andes mountains in peru um, gotcha. but it, but it's still pretty, pretty arid. I mean, the humidity is awful and, and the heat is awful there, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, they said uh, you, you kind of have to go a little further Southeast of where we were at to where you, you start seeing a lot of the, the, the mammal life and things like that. I mean, one thing that was cool is they did have dolphins. They have freshwater dolphins there. Oh, oh yeah. I've seen that. And so they're, they're a pink dolphin, believe it or not. Uh, yeah. but, uh, when I, uh, when I caught that, that, that 15 pounder, we were we were kind of throwing casting over a uh, a uh, a sandbar that was probably about two to three foot of water, and then it had a big stagnant pool back behind it. Well, those those dolphins are smart, just like they are in the ocean. You know, they they hear the boats and they know people are fishing, so they kind of hang around for for the yeah. easy meal. You know. Anyway, um, I casted back off on this uh, across this sandbar, and that that fish comes out of nowhere. I, I can see the fish coming through and just smashes that fly, and. Uh, Anyway, so as soon as I hook up with him, you know, he's fighting pretty hard and, and they, they're, they're big fighters. Even the little fish are, are big fighters, but, uh, all of a sudden he just starts running and running hard and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Well, both of those dolphins had come in and were trying to get my fish. Yeah. And so he runs all the way back into that lagoon and strips me all the way into the backing. And I'm looking at my guide going, Hey, the, I think the dolphin just got my fish. Like he's gone. And I knew it was a big fish when I hooked up and, uh, Anyway, I, I just kept going, kept uh, working him. And finally, I, I found out that it was the fish that was still on there and the dolphins had left him alone and uh, yeah. gave us enough time to where we could land him, you know. But uh, but that oh, was cool. that was pretty interesting. But we, we saw dolphins everywhere. I mean, they were all over the place. That's such a crazy pink. Yeah. You know, it's just like flamingos. Like, why are they pink? It's just. I guess from stuff cool. they eat or something like that. But like, so are y'all fishing like fishing for these like bass here is there like anything different that y'all you really had to do or learn i guess on this trip so on the conventional stuff you know they i call them wood choppers you know it, it looks like a broomstick basically that's painted and it has uh three sets of treble hooks on it and uh it has a big prop chopper 
you know, so when you, when you pop it, it it's throwing that water and it looks like bait busting yeah. water, you know? Uh, but that was, that was what, uh, you know, they preferred to fish with, uh, conventionally and, uh, uh, like a Rapala or a thunder stick, uh, you know, that's a, that's a short diver, you know, something that goes under the water, probably, you know, no more than six inches or so. Uh, but th those were kind of their conventional baits. And then I just threw flies that, 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 that simulated that. But, uh, it, it was funny. Like if, if we found the fish and I picked up the fly rod, I could catch one almost every cast with a fly rod, because I guess it was something that they weren't used to seeing. And you'd, you'd strip that fly across a hole that the fish were in. And I mean, they were just smashing it every time. I was going to ask about that. You said something about the insects earlier. And I was like, they're fly fishing though. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> the first thing I thought about. I was like, so, you know, what kind of flies were you guys using? We were using like big clousers and streamers, you know, something that, that really had a lot of, a lot of puff in the water that made it look like mm -hmm. a larger bait. So, uh, uh, the the color that I that I found was the best was uh, like a chartreuse and red and a yellow and red and those those chartreuse yeah, yeah really did well yeah bright stuff for mm -hmm. them to see it was the water pretty murky or was it kind of clear uh it's 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 really like almost chocolate milk brackish looking but it's it, it is it is somewhat clear but when you look at the water I mean it looks it looks like a dark brown uh, huh. mm -hmm. yeah. But you could see this, probably, you know, in about two foot of water or something like that was, was, you could see the bottom and things. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm sure that's, that's definitely a little different. We're actually, um, <clears throat> planning for our honeymoon. Mm -hmm. and the plan is. The plan is we're going. <laughs> to Belize. To Belize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're going to try and go fishing down there and see what that's all about i know mm -hmm. like i think the time we're gonna go it'll be like it would may -ish. yeah so good for like tarpon and stuff like that so that yeah bonefish cool. yeah, yeah yeah let me know and i can hook you up with some folks cool yeah I, I we're knew, shopping yeah so i knew you were gonna <laughs> yeah. you were gonna know some people down there and if not i was gonna hit sean up too to see if he knew yeah and he's then, got uh, some connections go down there ds we're gonna go to dsc and see if anything's down if they have like outfitters there too so We'll definitely be, you know, asking for recommendations. Awesome, man. Y'all are going to have a good time. Belize is awesome. You're going to love it. Yeah. I've heard great things. We just got to get our passports. Yeah. Got to do that. I hope that's going to be part. the biggest thing. Yeah. It'll be my first trip out of the country. So I don't mm -hmm. even, I've never even had a passport. So I got to go <laughs> get that done. Oh, man. You guys are going to love it. I, th I think that's early for lobster season. I think their lobster season's like in August, September or something like that. But, uh, mm -hmm. but the lobster down there is unbelievable. Oh man! Well, yeah, we gotta go back. The flights are really cheap. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's crazy. I think yeah. south. I think Southwest south flies. Yeah, we're flying straight from Austin if we go. Oh, cool! Even better. I like that. Yeah, take, flights. We take a little hopper from one place to the island. I That's got you. The only thing extra. Oh lord! Uh, <laughs> for me now. <laughs> He loves flying. <laughs> uh, I, the flying's not the part, the bad part. I don't like airports. Like you just, just like driving in your own vehicle. Yep, but the flying part's cool. Taking off, landing, all that kind of stuff's perfect. But walking through airports, I don't like it. But <laughs> just gotta get used to it, I guess. So, what was your uh, besides catching a fifteen-pound peacock bass? What was uh, what was like some of your favorite things about that trip or like would you book it again and go back oh 100 percent. i i think uh, i think the whole group is 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 willing to book 
book again. So, I mean, I don't think anybody on the, on, out of our group had a bad time at all. Yeah. So I, I would highly recommend it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Like I said, it was real cool to see the setup that he had, like pulling the boats and stuff. And then the, the dinners and everything and like the way that boat was set up. So like, and I knew there was a whole bunch of common area that I saw, but how were, were all the like rooms on, on like one floor or was it kind of split up? How, how was that? Yeah. Like all the rooms were kind of set up hotel style on the mid deck. So each, each room had, uh, had glass windows, you know, that were, that were, uh, I don't know, say six feet off or four, four to six feet off of the water level. So you could open mm -hmm. up your shades and, and, and see the water right there. I mean, it was a, it, just a really neat ambiance, you know, and, and experience yeah. to be on that boat. But, uh, I mean, I, I would, I would advise people even to take their wives on it. I mean, that, that was a, a very cool trip. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. When I first saw that boat, it kind of reminded me like a, of a very, of a larger version or a nicer and larger version of the boat that was in, um, Anaconda. Yeah. You ever see that movie? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that, but much nicer and bigger for sure. Because if you've seen that movie, that boat's a little busted. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't get to see any anaconda, unfortunately. But uh, uh, one of the guys did did uh, accidentally catch a a a, uh, a black caiman. They were he was oh. he was jig fishing and 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 actually accidentally hooked onto one right in the right in the foot. And so he thought he was stuck on a log until it started trying to swim away, you know, but, uh, that was, that was fun. I was actually there when, when they landed it, you know, to unhook him and, and release him and everything. So that was, that was a neat experience as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Seeing those things is pretty cool. Like I said, you always see them like national geographic mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause they don't, they don't really don't get that. Well, of course it's, it's a Cayman, but like they don't really don't get that big compared to like, other like alligators and crocodiles and stuff. I think they're like a little bit smaller than those. But yeah. That one was about like, five and a half foot. I think, I think probably eight or nine feet is probably as big as they get on the black Cayman. Yeah. It's uh, so pretty. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. It's pretty. But uh, we only saw one that was, that was probably big enough to be, you know, an eight footer or so. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I, yeah, I definitely like to see one of those uh, up close, but uh, so you get back, from south america and then you know on this awesome trip with these peacock bass and everything and then how how far how long was it between before you left to go to spain oh man it was not quite long enough i i, I hadn't quite rested up yet but i think it was about three and a half weeks um yeah but but uh my wife Catherine was able to go to the on the spain trip with me so that uh okay that that made for for a better experience as well yeah yeah it wasn't just hunting y'all i saw y'all got to do some sightseeing and stuff like that well the, the, right. yeah the unfortunate thing was that i didn't get to do as much of the sightseeing and and you know uh i guess exposure to the culture and everything that that, that she got to see i mean I, I got to see it in kind of a different way i guess you'd say but uh yeah uh, she uh we we set her and and uh uh uh, our friend's wife up with a uh, tour guide. And so while we were out hunting, they got to go, you know, uh, olive oil tasting and things like that. So it was, oh. it was really, really neat. I mean, wine tasting, got to sample a lot of top, you know, everything's tapas there. So all the, all the different kinds of foods and stuff like that. So they had an absolutely tapas. awesome time. Uh, so, so 
that's a that's another good good trip to take your your spouse on or or, or girlfriend on so uh but yeah uh, yeah you can get a two for one special you get to go do a little hunting and sightseeing and all that kind of stuff and mix it together so the guys that are listening you know that that's one that you can probably sell your wife on you know saying hey why don't we go hang out in spain yeah. for a week yeah and i'd be torn between hunting and sightseeing yeah we'd have that. we'd have to spend two weeks there just <laughs> yeah, just to, to do, do both <laughs> But yeah, so what were you what were you going after in Spain? Because like you hear Spain and it's for for most people, you know, you really don't think of it as like having a huge hunting culture or like even like animals to hunt, you know. Uh, but what were you going after? You know, some of the surprising things about Spain is I think they have more of a hunting culture than we do in the states, uh, and, really? and that that really surprised me. I mean, you you, you really see it everywhere. I mean, even even in in Madrid is which is where we landed i mean i saw gun stores and all kinds of things like that it's it's uh it's it's thought of very positively in spain i guess cuz a lot of the the heritage and the culture of the of the country itself um but i mean the amount of game that we saw in these hunting areas was 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 really surprising to me you know we were seeing you know red stag everywhere we were seeing boar everywhere you know along with the ibex so i mean that was that was really really cool and something that i guess me as a as a westerner didn't didn't expect to see was the amount yeah, of wildlife for sure yeah 100 percent. I, I didn't i can't think if somebody asked me if i were to hunt in, i mean ibex but like outside of Outside of that, you really, I don't really, really know didn't know what else what, they had. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, of course, it's it's traveling across the world, and most people first thought that's Africa and stuff like yep. that. But there's opportunities in these other countries as well that I'm learning myself about, you know, in Europe and everything. I mean, it is a little bit, I definitely different, I would say. But uh, I'm interested definitely uh, to hear more about like Spain and how how they perceive hunting and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess culturally, you know, they, they were always more of a rural uh, country, you know, up until probably the, the, the Second World War when everybody kind of started moving, migrating more out of the, out of the country and from the, ag, uh, the agriculture side of things and, and started moving into the city to, to, to make better money. And it may have been the Great Depression. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure, but some, sometime around that that turn of the century and uh before 1940 uh it seemed that that people kind of moved from from the countryside into the cities or whatever but uh um i mean that was that was something that was very unique in seeing is that you'd be up in the in the mountains and and you would see a house that was built you know in the in the uh 16s or 1700s and we just don't have things like that in our country because our country is yeah, just no. so new you know yeah, we're so young. So, yeah. And, and these structures are still there and 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 in you know decent condition um but but that was what i i thought was really really interesting about the countryside was 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 seeing a lot of that um but uh anyway i kind of kind of moving into the into the hunt so um the couple that we went with and, and us we were after three of the four ibex species so we uh we started our hunt uh, uh, around Madrid, and uh, we hunted the uh, the Ronda ibex there, which is it's it probably shares being the largest of the species with the Bassetti, 
which is kind of on the on the uh, in the Pyrenees Mountains, close to France. Um, and so we started there, and when we when we harvested that one, uh, we moved kind of more into the southern area, uh, kind of traveled south along the Portugal border all the way to the coast to the actual city of Ronda, and then we hunted the Ronda ibex, which is the smallest of the species. Um, and they're also the fewest of of that species of ibex than than the other three. And then we moved east from there and went to to hunt the southeastern. So um, eventually, when we go back in a few years, we'll 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 go back to the you know the Barcelona area and hunt the Pyrenees for the uh, the um, Bassetti and and the Mouflon and Chamois. Okay, okay. And then like so, are are I guess what what differentiates between these species like is it just like the areas that they live in or are, are there huge you know like physical things that you can see that separate these ibex into being in you know these just dramatic characteristic yeah. differences so so the uh the grettos are, are truly isolated to a certain mountain range kind of in the in the uh kind of wet northwestern or north central part of the of the country um and so there's 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 nothing there's no other ibex that are that are nearby that that they could crossbreed with or anything like that, but when it comes to the uh, the Ronda and the uh, southeastern along the the southern coast, they're only divided by two separate mountain ranges by maybe you know just a few miles. So you can you can actually cool. as you're driving down the highway you can see where the where the two mountain ranges divide and then there's a highway that runs between them, uh, and so that's what separates you know, the ones to the west being considered the Ronda and the ones to the east side of that being the, being the southeastern. Um, mm. But, you know, I asked some questions uh, about that specifically, and, and they said that, that, the, that the Ronda and the southeastern do intermingle because of their close proximity. So if, if you're hunting in that area near, the, uh, near that divide, you can you can shoot a southeastern that that people would classify as a ronda, even though they're they're larger horn size, uh, but it's because they they fall within that that boundary region, mm-hmm. or vice versa, okay. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, do I guess, like you said, do they so do they interbreed between those two as well, mm-hmm. or are they just like cross? Okay, yeah, I, I would I would assume they do. I don't I don't know that for certain, but. But they're, gotcha. they're very so similar. Be cool. I, was, I was thinking of it like, you know, like turkeys, because you have like yeah. Rios that mix with Eastern sometimes in those spots. Or like if you get to Kansas and stuff, you'll have uh, Rios and Merriams and like there's there's what hybrids. Hybrid? Yeah, I, I killed a hybrid of a Rio and an Eastern in uh, Nebraska. Oh, very so, cool. Like that's where I was. Yeah. So that's why I was wondering if, if that was if that happens in between those um, like turkeys do. So, but yeah, that's pretty cool. So like, or is it? Pretty, from the pictures I saw, it looks like you're you're hiking a whole lot up and down mountains and stuff. So was it pretty rough terrain or like uh, anything compared to like over here? I mean, altitude wise, it's it's probably similar to to, to like Guadalupe Peak uh, for for both the uh, the uh, the southeastern and the uh, the Grados. Um, the the Grados is kind of a, a a difficult hunt in itself just because there's there's no uh, infrastructure built there for roads or anything so you you truly have to hike in and hike out um and so that was about a about a 3500 elevation gain from where we started to where we to where we we shot the ibex so um it was a it was an all-day affair but uh uh 
that's that's when I I figured out on that since that was our first hunt that I wasn't quite prepared for uh, <laughs> for the level of activity that we were going to see. But uh, but uh, it, it it that probably wasn't the roughest of of the country that we hunted. I mean, it was it had some steep stuff to it, but it was it was relatively easy climbing. Uh, yeah. In comparison to to probably the Ronda, which which was probably my least favorite to hunt, just because of how how rough and steep everything was. Uh, I mean, that ibex truly lives on uh, jagged shards of rock that it's just shooting out of the ground. So uh, there was a lot yeah. more more climbing involved rather than hiking. Oh man, yeah that that that's when it gets that steep, it gets definitely a little you're hairier. Little, to, yeah, you're you're, like, you're committed to going. What are you gonna do? Like you have no option at that. Yeah. Point, so you know? was it pretty easy? I guess. Do they have kind of? I guess you're all following pretty much the trails the ibex are making on the mountain, trying to climb that. Yes and no. I mean, uh, like the there there were there, there were there was livestock and stuff in the in the Grados area, so there was trails and things there, and it's it's a very well known hiking area for for the locals and stuff too. So there there was some some primitive trails there, so to speak. But uh, um, but the uh, the Ronda, you know, it was it was all just rugged land so we were the the only livestock that was on the on the cliffs and on the mountains was was the ibex itself uh so we we were up there amongst them and 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 that and that one which i guess the saving grace there is the altitude was was lower there so you're only looking at you know between four and five thousand foot elevation but the bad thing about it was when we were there it was like 95 degrees so oh man what we saved on elevation we we lost with the heat because it was it made it brutal uh yeah climbing up on top it's you, you realize that you are going closer to the sun <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely but but i would say that the ronda was probably the, the the most difficult even though the the altitude was was lower just because of the heat and, and the the rock itself reflecting off the rock yeah. yeah yeah so what were you uh what were you shooting um, so I, I used the, the outfitters firearm and they had a, I think it's a Saco 550, I think kind of set up as a, as a, uh, with a thumb hole stock and, uh, uh, kind of a target setup. but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a great rifle. Yeah. It was in a, it's, in a seven mag. Pretty hard to, you said it was seven mag? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So it's pretty, uh, I guess it's pretty hard to get guns in and out of, Spain I'm not real sure on how that goes you know I didn't I didn't try it but I'm it's it's always easier to travel without them I yeah just from experience I mean if 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 uh I know there's some cases where you where you definitely want to have your own firearm there something that you're you're used to and everything but but in most places they have they have good quality equipment and good quality glass so uh you know my wife and I weren't sure if we were going to try to spend some time in Morocco while we were there or, or, or you know, travel around inside the country. And, and that's just another added thing that you've got to try to jump. Yeah. yeah, yeah have it with you it, and have it, you know, in your room or, you know, move around with it and stuff. And I'm sure getting in out of transportation there with, that, you, with, with, a, gun case. with a gun case is probably frowned upon or they're going to look <laughs> at you a little funny, wondering what are these Americans doing here? Exactly. <laughs> but uh oh man yeah it's easier just to use the the rifles that are there yeah but, uh, how like how far were the were the shots um on the ibex uh 250 was probably my shortest and the longest was probably 
350, 370, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, not not too far, but it, it still has stretch a little bit. And I say that that the the southeastern that I shot it was it was straight down, um, and it may have only been I, I didn't range it, but maybe 150 or 200 yards. But that may have been the closest shot. Now that I think about yeah. it. Not that it makes it easier. <laughs> yeah. With Especially going straight, straight down. down. Yeah. So are y'all like, when y'all are looking for these Ibex, is it kind of pretty easy? Are y'all glassing them and then trying to make a plan to get to them and get in the spot? Or how, how did y'all hunt them? <clears throat> you know, it's it's really no different than what how we would hunt, you know, all doubt out west or anything, you know. Um, we would just get, get to a point and start trying to spot them. And once we spot them and thought we had one that we wanted to get a better look at we'd try to get up the mountain and get into a little better position where we could get a shot if we needed to okay okay and then like what's um i guess like what's a what's a big ibex like how how, how are y'all judging on like like you said which ones yeah. you want to go after and which ones you don't uh so they you know they the way that they structure their their stuff is by metal class so they have like a representative and then they have bronze and then they have silver and then they have gold um Mm. so if you if you select to go with like a bronze that covers from representative all the way up to probably silver and so that gives you the widest range of of Mm -hmm. what you can you can take uh so that's that's kind of the, the the way that we elected to go uh and then if you hunt you know in the in the silver or the gold categories you have a much narrower range in in your in your your uh uh your score okay yeah that 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 seems like to go off of course i mean it's going like with age but in you know size of the because they have horns right right they don't shed yeah yeah okay you got always got to make sure (laughs) i I try to make sure I, i say it right Every single time, you know, like cows have horns, they don't fall off. Deer have antlers, they fall off. Just to get it, just to get it right. But even though we say rattling horns, you know, yeah. it, it's it it goes back and forth. <laughs> so with the with the Ronda, you know, they kind of wanted those to be ten years or older is kind of their their target for 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 what animals they harvest. And then for the Ronda, you know, they live in a lot harder conditions. So they were saying that, you know, eight years old is a, is a good target for, for those. Um, and then with the Southeastern, um, anything above probably nine was okay. I think the one that I shot was 10. Um, but, but they, you know, the area that they live in to me was, was, was the prettiest as it comes to, you know, having pine trees and, and, and mountains and, a lot of grass available, shinry. So it was just a, a you could tell it, it seemed like it got a lot more rainfall than the, than the Rhonda did. Gotcha. Yeah. So I like from what you're telling me, like I'm trying to, you know, picture like on the judging thing, but it's kind of fallen in the category, like kind of how, how you judge sheep also. Yeah. Like you want to get those, those sheep and Ibex up to like eight, nine years old, whereas, you know, most people are taking white tail at five, five four five six kind of that area but making sure they're getting to that that older age class and stuff but yeah you know were y'all seeing pretty like big groups of like females also or was it like the ratio kind of you know you're seeing uh lots of you know rams or yeah rams they're all all running together so the you know it kind of changed by area but it was either pre-rut 
timing in some of the areas or fl- full blown rut for the others. So, yeah. so to me, it cool. seemed yeah. like the, uh, the ones that we hunted in the South, the Rhonda and the Southeastern were, were full blown ruts. So we were, we were catching, you know, loner billies or billies with a large group of females, you know, where he had them all, all kind of yeah. hemmed up, you know, um, and, and the same, same for the Rhonda. Um, but the, uh, but the Gretos, it seemed like we saw big groups of just nothing but billies. And then we saw billies with, with, uh, with ewes. So, uh, I, I don't think that they were quite there yet, but, uh, but like I said, they, uh, just like any billy goat, they, they definitely smelled like a billy goat. And it's a, it's what I say. It's a, <laughs> it's a smell only a, a hunter could love. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They do really smell bad. That's funny. Well, dude, that, that's a cool place. Like, you know, like you said, with Spain and everything and having all those three different kind of hunts that you can go do kind of all, all at once, you know, you're getting a different experience with each animal. And there's, there's not, besides, you know, going to Africa and hunting, you know, different planes game and stuff. There's, mm-hmm. it, it's not many places you can go and kind of get that experience with everything on, on one trip. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, doing all four is, is, is definitely doable in one trip. I think you could probably do it in a, in a 10 day trip for sure. Mm-hmm. You could probably do it in less than that, but, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you add on that, that, uh, you know, they have the, the wild European boar there. They have the, the red stag there. They've got, uh, uh, mouflon. They've got two types of chamois. I mean, there's, there's a lot of wildlife and game in, in Spain. Wow, yeah. yeah. And it was, this was all through like one outfitter and does all the animals or do you kind of like switch in between them? Uh, no, we, we, we hunted with one outfitter. We hunted with wild hunting Spain, which is, uh, um, Pablo Carroll and, and Oscar Colomino. So, uh, great, great guys. Um, I know that y'all, y'all met those guys at our show. Um, yeah. they usually, uh, show in Dallas, um, our show and then Nashville. And I think they do a couple of other, uh, events around the country, but, uh, but really, really great outfit. One of these years we'll make it out to SCI Nashville. Yeah, yeah. We gotta go. Yeah, I, it's it's on the list, but it's just like it, with everything else and all the other shows going on now. Yeah, we're going with, to a lot of the SCI shows. Yeah, now. so of course with with your help and being yeah. able, you know, Thanks, sh- show You're off uh, our our talents, we've we've picked up a couple more. We're gonna do. Um, we just booked with the Hill Country. We, well, oh, we're members of the Hill Country. Yeah. yeah, so we're members of the Hill Country now. We they're booked us for their banquet. And then potentially San Angelo, so because it's the same. Um, trying to think, Erica. Erica, yeah, works for both of them. Yeah, yeah. So we doing those now, and then of course getting SEI, and then DS. Well, we're gonna go we're gonna to go DSC. DSC. We're not doing anything there, um, but we're just gonna go and go visit and everything. And of course, that's the same time as Fort Worth Rodeo, so we'll probably go do that or try to go do that too. So that that time of year is just like blowing and going, like. And then yeah. day job work, we're planning for our stuff there too for silencer shop. So it's it's just going to be a busy for the next couple of months. Well, there's no rest <laughs> for the wicked. No, no, not at all, not at all. We kind of had a uh, deer season wasn't wasn't going too good. We were planning on getting out a lot more, but it just it didn't work out. And then kind of had a a little stub of a toe. You know, uh, we found out that one of one of the bucks that um. I had been watching, you know. It's it's low fence, of course. Uh, got shot by the neighbor. So, Always. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. No hard feelings, you know, or anything. I mean, it's it's hunting. It's going to happen. But I kind of just wish I'd have had a little better opportunity to get out there and chase after. But he's a pretty cool buck. I'll probably I'll I'll probably post a picture of him, the pictures I have of him on the game camera now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so that that kind of had some bad luck on that end. But well, that's I'm, that's I'm never happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do have a funny, I do have a funny story about that. Uh, you know, we were hunting a a property around the San Angelo area and, and I, we had this deer and he was, he was, he was very, uh, he was very steady at hitting a water at a water hole and hitting a uh, protein feeder for us all the way up until about October 3rd. (laughs) And, and, yep. and we're MLD, you know, so we, we, we could, we could hunt, you know, in October, but it, I just could never get down there. We had so much stuff going on with the kids and everything. I couldn't get down there in October to get him. And so, uh, I actually didn't get to hunt until the second weekend of November, but I finally picked him back up on camera on, uh, about three days in a row, like the October 30th, 31st first and i think the season opened on the second and then he then he ghosted again i couldn't find him again yeah and so uh anyway my my buddy was down there hunting and uh he thought one of the other guys that were on the lease was was there and 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 shot because the shot was so close uh anyway so it turned out to not be either one of one of our guys that 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 made a shot but it was i guess a neighbor that that did and uh anyway Mm -hmm. i i stopped by to to see my buddies at uh safari studio a few weeks later and uh and uh randy Fontenot hands uh he goes hey you're still hunting in erie county aren't you and i said yes sir he goes man you got to check out this deer that came in oh man and he literally puts the deer in my hands and i was like oh, i said is this man. a sick joke and he goes he goes what do you mean i said this is the deer i've been hunting he goes you're kidding me oh my god Oh my! Just gosh. that way that the the way that happened. Oh, and he was to... he was an awesome deer too. He was in the one sixties. He was a great deer. Uh, oh, <sighs> you should check this deer out. Yeah, you should see this guy. Like that, oh that's that's gosh. Yeah, I've I've, I've seen him before. A <laughs> lot of times. Oh man! I'll show him to you on the hoof. Yeah, this, this deer. He showed. Uh, I've got a picture. We set our cameras like it back in May. Mm-hmm. and started running them and then like i set up a little mineral site and then had him on on the, the feeder and then he shows up and i'm like oh like he's still you can still tell he's in velvet like he's he's still growing i'm like that that deer's gonna be a little being something you know and then he disappeared and then i finally got him on camera again in july and he had like a and he had a buddy with him who was kind of nice too but he was he was the bigger of the two deer and then uh, had pretty consistent pictures of him through the end of July, August. Then about the middle of September, they started coming a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. And then he finally rubbed out. And I have a pretty cool picture of him and his buddy, like, button heads, like, right in front of the camera. And, like, their horns are kind of locked, like they're just messing around playing. And then that's probably the last set of pictures that I got of him. Mm-hmm. They would come then, in at like one in the morning. Yeah, and then yeah. He, they were come, always coming in at one in the morning, mm-hmm. like never during daylight. But I, like I said, the pictures were pretty consistent. But it wasn't you couldn't hunt him. 
at, at midnight. Yeah. I mean, some people do, but I'm not taking those chances. <laughs> I'm not taking those chances. But uh, oh well, I'll, it's just fuels the fire for next year and chasing them even more. Yeah. yeah. So uh, with uh, with the event coming up, and like you said, you're you're going with you're helping with the auction stuff now and doing that uh, with your new role. What's uh, what's some of the things you're kind of looking forward to? I guess with the event that may be different or things that y'all are uh, you know kind of things y'all made better for this year. You know, we're we're always making you know minor changes. We're not going to do anything drastic or anything because I, I, mm-hmm. I think we've kind of put together a good program. Uh, over the years, you know, a lot of the guys that, that have been on the board for since conception, you know, have, have, have really evolved and, and, and learned from year to year. And so they've kind of carried that on to, to the younger guys that are getting on the board. And so we're going to do some, some games and stuff a little bit different this year. Um, but the, but the general layout and the way things will work will, 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 will remain the same. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we do our exhibitor party, you know, that y'all attended on the Friday night before the yeah. event. So, you know, everybody sets up on Friday and then that night we, we host all the exhibitors, uh, uh, for a, for a little party. And then, uh, well, we get it cranked up at 9am the next morning, opening to the general public. And, uh, that that's open from nine to three and at three o'clock we'll, we'll shut down and take a little reset and reset the room just a bit. And, uh, and open things up at 5 p.m. for the for the banquet event to start. So, uh, but yeah. I was really impressed last year. Yeah. Or, or actually this year. Yeah, this oh, year yeah, it this was this year. year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. With uh, with how y'all had everything switched around and moved, and the tables moved in, and everything got decorated, and oh, all man. the hats and stuff, you know, from your your sponsors and stickers and stuff was just set out perfect, and it was just like. Like, like we talked about in, in our second episode of the, the podcast when you were on, like that at just, like I said, it's a lot of work to be able to do that, but y'all executed flawlessly for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, thank y'all. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's a really good show. You know, my, my hope is, I mean, this will be the, the third year that we've, that we've opened to the general public. And, and, and the reason we want to do that is we want, um, we want people to know really who Safari Club is. And so people that are, that are deer hunters that may not know, you know, like say, I, I don't hunt on safaris, so I don't need to be a member of, of SCI. Uh, we want them to know who we are. And uh, for those that are listening, you know, Safari Club is, is the only organization that has a full-time presence on Capitol Hill. So it's, they're, they're not always working on stuff that's safari. I mean, 70% of, of their operation and the things that they do are fighting for your rights to hunt right here in the U.S., and so that's, yep. that's, you know, all the bear hunting and the wolf hunting stuff that's going on in North America, they're on top of that and on the yeah. front lines of it. And, and there's no other hunting organization that, that, that goes to bat, uh, or, or very seldom is there a hunting organization that goes to bat or joins SCI on these fights. So it, it, it's truly SCI that's standing alone and, 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 and fighting for every hunter's right. Um, so we, we want we want the public to, to be exposed to that. But we also want, you know, the, the public, just like I was the first time I went to one, t- to know that there are hunting options out there and they're they're not nearly as expensive as, as you might think that they are. I mean, Absolutely. you know, a South African safari, I mean, you, you can you can easily do that for far less money than you can go hunt elk on private land in New Mexico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And, and, yeah. and, and I don't think a lot of people really understand that, but it's, it, it takes a different person too, that's willing to, uh, to make that travel commitment and yeah. to go oh, and do it. So, cause there, yeah. there's some people that, that just won't travel, you know, and, and, and that's nothing against them or anything, but, but there are opportunities for those that are, that are willing to do so. Um, yeah. Like you said, you can go to New Mexico and shoot one out for the same price you can go to another country, see another culture, eat yeah. different food and get three meet or cool four people and get, yeah, three or four animals. Or seven and, or yeah, you can, you yeah, can yeah, depending on what you're yeah, after, depending on what right? You're after, yeah. it, it can, it can be, it can happen. So, and then adding Spain to the list now after, after uh, hearing your story there and you can see all these, most of these guides and outfitters are at SEI. If they're not at, you know, local chapter events, like, the one out, like we're going to have out Midland, um, they're at Nashville, mm-hmm. and, you know, making that trip. And then, and from what I hear that right there is, is an experience to even travel and, and go to that event and mm-hmm. stay there for a couple of days. Cause it's, it's going to take that to see everything that they oh, have there. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, them moving from Las Vegas to Nashville kind of opens up a, a lot of opportunity for people that, you know, may not get along with the whole Vegas vibe. They can, kind of hang out in Nashville. It's a little bit calmer, but mm-hmm. it, it's still pretty good. It's pretty wild in Nashville. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that it brought really a whole new energy into the, uh, the SEI show altogether is just moving it to Nashville because Nashville is very clean. It's very accommodating. Um, most of the people that were, that were involved with the event itself were, were all kind of in a central area. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it is right there off of off of Broadway, so you're two blocks from Broadway, and so in the evenings you could go do that, or you could yeah. you could uh, take a lunch break and walk across the street and have lunch at places. I mean, it was just a really really good atmosphere and a good place to have it. Uh, and we haven't yeah. been we've been into Nashville for an evening. Yeah, we stayed in Franklin for the Outdoor Media Association conference and basically went in for hot chicken because we wanted <laughs> yeah, we wanted right. to try yeah, the hot yeah. chicken. Uh, went to you know, one venue that had a concert going on, but it was just kind of spontaneous and then came back down to Franklin, which is also a beautiful area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, yeah I, uh, I highly recommend it. Y'all, y'all need to, y'all need to set aside some time and in, in yeah. January, February to go to, go to Nashville to SCI. It's a, uh, one heck of an experience. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, uh, you got any more, uh, hunting you got planned before the event? No, just to try to chase a few deer around here, and that's about it. Uh, there's, there's, there's nothing that I'm really after right now. But uh, my my daughter, I don't know if y'all saw, she got she got her yeah, big yes. deer Saturday. So uh, we uh, she's adorable. Well, thank you. She uh, she sure does love it and, and loves being out there. But uh, I uh, I may consider letting her have the trophy tag as well because she's she's way fired up. So. That's awesome. So that was her first deer, right? No, that was her biggest deer, but that was the first, oh, okay. that was the first one that she shot where she did everything on her own. So I set her up That's on the, awesome. on the bog pods and, and let, turned her loose on it. And, and she did so well. I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> I, I get more excited, I guess, doing that or taking somebody else than, than I do when I'm behind the gun. So, I mean, she's sitting on my lap cause she's just too short to quite get high enough to see out of the window <laughs> of the blind, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and she's like, Dad, you got to quit shaking. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not shaking. She goes, Yes, you are. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. How old is she? Seven. 
Oh, that's I love funny. it. Dad, you got to quit shaking. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, because you're, you're what hoping great memories. that she's, uh, she's doing everything right. And, you know, you're trying to, I was probably trying to like help, but not help and let her do it for herself and everything. Because <laughs> that, that's hilarious. That's an awesome memory. I mean, we shared the picture on our story, but if not, if you haven't seen it, check out Brandon's page. She is pretty good deer for, you know, her, her biggest one. Oh, she's grinning ear to ear too. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's yeah. so proud. That's cool, man. Well, like I said, we got you on here to tell tell about, you know, chasing peacock bass and Ibex in Spain and stuff and a little bit about the event. And I, I appreciate you getting back on and, you know, spending a little little time with us. And, you know, uh, it's always fun to hear good hunting stories. And, you know, you're definitely one of our guests that has a, a, a whole bunch of them that we like to hear. And you're a good storyteller. For sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you all. I appreciate you all having us. So, um I guess uh, one one thing that I did forget to men- mention before we wrap things up is uh, the show, uh, the West Texas Safari Club show will be um, January 27th yep. in Midland, Texas at the Midland County Horseshoe Arena. So uh, if y'all need information about it, reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, we have the, the chapter has a page both on Instagram and on Facebook. So, and I'll, I'll respond to you as soon as you message me. So we'd love yep. to have y'all come we'll join us. It. We'll have it linked in the description and everything. So Brandon's a, a re- repeat guest and an honorary member for sure. Teos Hunt Club, because we had a lot of fun. If you haven't seen our dove hunting video that we had a good, <laughs> pretty good trip up in North Texas. So those guys invited me up there. Next year, we're going to have to find the time, maybe hopefully to get Tim and Sean on, on a podcast too. Oh my gosh. Y'all the, would the, be so some, some of the stories that I heard were up there were, were awesome. Some of them are going to make the podcast and some of them <laughs> aren't going to make the podcast, <laughs> but and I, I really did enjoy hanging out and shooting dub with y'all guys. It was a lot of fun. Well, that podcast probably won't, won't pass the PG rating. So you might have to put him for mature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well man i appreciate you hopping on the podcast brandon and uh we'll get this out and I'll, I'll promote the event and everything and hopefully get some more people out to midland uh next month yeah looking yeah, forward to seeing fun. you guys back too so yeah we're excited so to shoot excited. again for sure well brandon you have a good night man y'all do the same thank you all again for having me yeah absolutely all right cheers <laughs>